0: it's based on the premise that you can't really understand the world until and unless you understand like more than your perspective of it not everybody's gonna agree with you and if they did how boring would would things be whoever came up with the pill Definitely a bloke.
1: I was a mistake too. Yeah. Oh.
0: To, to be- To being mistakes. To being accidents. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, yeah. You're like, a... surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> Separate disagree. the person from their opinion. We're never really taught about that at school, right? I, I think the money 100% buys happiness.
1: Yeah. It comes down to morals, right? And morals are not necessarily, are they They're not, are they are not ingrained within us in like an evolutionary and genetic sense? Or is it something that we just develop as a society, but now they've changed? Yeah. Can they be cancelled for that? Is that fair? I don't think that's fair.
0: I I agree with you, I think that cancel culture is kind of like diametrically opposed to societal progression. There are positives there. If we live in a society where you're allowed to freely make, where you have freedom of speech, Mm. people also have to have
2: freedom of reaction. Surely that has to be very, very egalitarian in this approach.
0: There's nothing about this even that I've agreed more with.
2: Hey guys, for this episode, we are joined by Kenzo Onimonu. Kenzo is the founder of 40 Cards. 40 Cards is a card game in which it has particular statements that you put on the table, someone reads it out, and then the discussion starts. The subjects are often quite provocative or at least engaging, uh, and I just think it's a really fantastic game, which is why I got him on board. The idea behind him or behind what he was doing, which is why, why I was so interested, is because he wants people to hear other people's opinion and try to relate and really at least be empathetic and understand their, their side of the argument and very much we are trying to do that and show the balance within our discussions as well so really like-minded really great Kenzo was a fantastic guy super intelligent and I really really enjoyed it we started by getting into how we got to the idea and how the business is going and then ended up playing the game itself with a guest uh, Alexandra Gray who also did a podcast with us so yeah please enjoy the episode And please like, subscribe and click the bell notification because it really does help us. Thanks very much. Okay, our sponsor for this episode is SpaceMade. SpaceMade offer flexible workspaces throughout the UK and they currently have the following London locations. Queen's Park, The Strand, Fitzrovia, Swiss Cottage and London Fields, as well as City Centre Leeds and City Centre Bristol. To find out more, do check out their website at www.spacemade.co. And finally, I would like to give a big thank you to the whole team there. I really am grateful for your support you've given us from day one, and it really won't be forgotten. If you are looking for a great space to work, guys, do check them out via the links in the description below. And for any direct inquiries, you can email them via info at Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Um, first question is, so you're the founder of 40 Cards, yeah. which is essentially, well, yeah, gone. explain to us what 40 Cards is.
0: Uh, so, uh, well, it's a it's a card game primarily, and um, it's based on the premise that you can't really understand the world until and unless you understand like more than your perspective of it. So, you know, amazing. That's that's um, literally what we did the other podcast. We touched on that, which is awesome. Like, yeah. glad that that sort of piece of thought leadership is like expanding to everyone. But yeah, it's um, it's about kind of bridging the gap between what you have an opinion on and what you're prepared to discuss. Okay. So it's like, you know, sometimes uncomfortable conversations, but in the hope that, you know, the more you talk about these things, the less huge shocks you'll get from other people and the closer you, everyone will
2: be. So that's it. Okay. And obviously the driver behind it is about getting the right conversations out there. But how, how did you get to the idea? What, 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 what got you there in the first place?
0: To be honest, it was incidental. So I was um, on holiday with a mate in italy and we we're having a conversation about um whether it will be immoral to kind of take your kids to church when you do have them okay and he's he's quite religious so uh, my view was that like yeah you know there's like christian guilt there's like lots of stuff that you get from church that's you know questionable mm. Um and he thought you know the opposite so we just talked about that for probably around three four hours over dinner and a few too many bowls of wine. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then the next day on holidays, probably a bit nerdy of me, but um, yeah, I spent like half a day just writing down 40 uh, statements that could be there. There's a formula coming up with the cards, but like, um, and then, you know, got in contact with the manufacturer and then ordered a box first before I got the cards. And it was one of those classic moments where, you know, like you try and order something and you completely fuck up the scale. Yeah. Like, so it arrived and it was huge. <laughs> and, <I> was like, <laughs> and it was like, build your own. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck am I gonna do with this? Um, so I had to like rethink that. But yeah, then, then got the cards made um, by a guy in Oxford and just put it on Amazon and saw how it went. And then a couple of newspapers covered it and then it kind of blew up from there really. And,
2: and how long has it been going?
0: Um, since November, 19. Okay, so less than two years, but yeah. about eighteen months actually. Yeah.
2: And what you just, like you said, because it was on Amazon, what you just got quite a lot of orders without real marketing or anything like that. Just thought this yeah. this could be something essentially.
0: To date, we've probably spent less than eight
2: hundred quid on marketing. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well.
0: Wow. And it's uh, it's done quite well.
2: Okay. So. And obviously, it's not too relevant. It's always interesting to hear people's yeah. backgrounds. But you, you, you're a you're a lawyer now. Yeah. Is that what you pretty much practice your whole life? Um, uh, working life at least sorry
0: yeah so yeah so i, I i've done laws i did a lot at uni mm-hmm. um and uh mainly i think because it's kind of like a safe career choice sure right? it's a, a, a de-risk version it's vocational you can go and do something with it afterwards and i thought that would be a good idea um and then yeah I did a kind of paralegal role uh
2: trained and then qualified and then just been going from there and so it's interesting you say mainly because it was safe. So do you do you look back on, are you happy to still be a lawyer? Or if you don't mind me asking, or, or?
0: I like my job. Yeah. But I mean, if you're asking me whether if all jobs paid the same, I'd do law. I think even my like, where I work probably know the answer is no,
2: to yeah. be honest. So uh, I like the job though. It's cool. And and in an ideal world, eventually just do 40? Or, or do you see yourself always?
0: Yeah, I, I do 40 full time and probably have a food truck somewhere yeah just as a, another side hustle or something
2: okay know. so that's your that's your other interest it? that's and it yeah food in particular
0: food in particular
2: yeah. any, any any ideas you want to tell us about oh i can't
0: give everything oh, away. well that's the thing yeah, yeah
2: I can't give everything away why, why why that because i i did a lot of hospitality a while about many clubs and also a bit of restaurants but it is a great thing to be a part of
0: yeah they say it's like a terrible way to make money um, if that's what you want to do, yeah,
2: but, like, yeah, maybe it's it's super antisocial. That's yeah, what I, yeah, that's yeah. what I found sort of crazy yeah. about it is is you think, especially when you did when you do it young, you think, oh, this will be great, like oh, yeah. in a great environment, that sort of thing. But the irony is, you just never. Everyone else is doing something else, and you're stuck in the same place. I at the can same imagine. Time. Yeah. Um, for me, I'd want to like de-risk it as much as possible. It's mm-hmm. kind of like have your cake and
0: eat it. I just want like a food truck. Every Saturday morning at a food market or something like that, so something so. just
2: pure passion, not Casual. necessarily the full business yeah.
0: or if I was to run a restaurant, it'd be like a really small venue with like seven covers that sort of thing okay. um yeah in an ideal world
2: one day maybe yeah yeah no no, no I'm yeah, not against it at all, so interesting enough, I read in one of the articles that um you kind of start this with your girlfriend is that right um So, yes. Does does she get the credit? uh, Uh Well, ex-girlfriend. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Cut that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. No, no, if you you don't mind, tell tell me. Because that sounded like that. The only reason why I was interested in that, because obviously it was in some of your press. Yeah. uh, And probably more importantly, it's just interesting when you hear like a couple like... Getting to those meaty conversations, and then you're, yeah. and then you're using it the right way, which is nice.
0: It's, it's an interesting story. So, like, I I started it, and you know, she helped with it in bits and stuff, and mm. then we did the article. So, I get this question a lot, kind of mm. like, mm. where is the other?
2: co-founder? Do you get the awkward bit afterwards? Yeah, at the time?
0: Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, you haven't helped me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but sorry. Um, yeah, she she was phenomenal at the start and was um, instrumental in some of like the really early successes we had, and she just. A great person and yeah we're still close now so yeah I mean only good things to say about her involvement in the start of it so
2: okay so let's um let's talk about I'd say the commonality which is why I was so interested in you doing this which is essentially well two points really obviously try and cover issues that actually matter yeah uh, and probably the bit that you just touched on at the start the fact that really we can only even start to understand the world around us and the people around us and get the best outcome. If we are willing to take on other perspectives, actually understand it. Why, why does that matter so much to you? Um, I, to be honest, I don't think that it matters more to me
0: than it matters to, uh, the the average person provided that they know about it and they recognize, you know, that concept. Mm. I think, um, Increasingly everything around us is designed to reinforce our echo chamber. Sure. It's a point where, you know, algorithms are designed to show you things you like and show you things you're you're likely to agree with. And um if you ask most people um whether they can disagree politely, um, they probably can, but they never really get the opportunity to because everything around them is, you know, agreeable with their sort of modus operandi. Mm. Um so for me it's about kind of facilitating that conversation yep. not necessarily telling you what to think but giving you an opportunity uh to think alternatively to how you you would normally think
2: yeah and, and yeah it's interesting you say that because we we one of our sort of well i guess the mantra of what i'm trying to create alongside obviously talk about educating through conversation and combining mm-hmm. and colliding ideas but one of the other things is, is conveying ideas the right way so that people can yeah. really get it and i think the thing that we've lost or at least it seems to be the case from what we can see online yeah. is that, is that there's no tolerance for other ideas anymore. Yeah. And was that at all your driver behind, behind this? Um.
0: Yes and no. So that was almost a, for me, it was kind of like, how do you start the conversation? Mm. Incidentally, it was kind of like, how, how can you um disagree and kind of get on with your life? Yeah. Um. Because it's not that everybody that doesn't share the same opinion as you needs to be canceled. That can't be a thing. Right. yeah agreed uh, I it's, mean, a, it's a big topic at the moment it's probably just... the only thing I agree with Piers Morgan on okay um, <laughs> but it, it it's true like it can't be you know we need to we're never really taught about that at school right you know you, you don't really have lessons where it's like you know argue um, with somebody or disagree with somebody and then just like put it to bed it's usually like write an essay Um, you know show both sides of the arguments and then write a conclusion yeah <laughs> And that, that's it. It's like paper form. You hand it in, and you get your grade. But um, I think there's a lot of value and benefit in basically, you know, opening the conversation about how to have discourse without falling out.
2: Yeah. Um, Don't lose the affection for the person if you like them anyway. Of, but of you're course, allowed to dis- like you separate disagree. the person from their opinion. Yeah, not, I totally not agree. Not
0: everybody's going to agree with you, and if they did, how boring would, would things be? And how yeah. how would anybody ever learn? Yeah, I totally agree. New?
2: So, totally agree. And also the fa- fact is to have any opinion, someone's, someone's not going to like it. You're going to offend yeah, someone at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: We we had a um, kind of interesting uh, conversation at work today about um, the shootings in Atlanta mm. and the kind of Asian community. And someone raised the point that why did our organization do far more for the Black Lives Matter movement than for the Asian community in terms sure. of like making a statement and stuff like that? And it was a really tough conversation to have because there's no real right answer there's no way that you kind of justify a disparity in reactions mm-hmm. um but for me what was interesting was that it really highlighted that like you can only really have bandwidth and capacity for a certain number of things and i don't know where that comes from but you know i yeah. am um
2: what what, what? sorry what what do you mean by that in the in the bandwidth sense? So what I mean like is there's only a certain amount of periphery vision you can have
0: that that's exactly it yeah. It's kind of like um if I was to read the world news mm-hmm. um there'd probably be loads of things that I think that's atrocious, like I'd really want to you know change that um but because it's not necessarily happening in my immediate view and in my um country or you know city or whatever it almost kind of subconsciously becomes secondary to something, a process that's happening on your doorstep. And it's really hard to kind of like have the same for most people, I think to have the same energy for everything Yeah, that, agree. That, you, that you have for, for certain things. And it doesn't mean that anything is less important. It just means that, you know, it's a bandwidth issue and you know, you're not going to have capacity to There's only so involved. much you can take on. Exactly. Um, i thought yeah that was really interesting and because people have different levels of involvement in different issues it's so important to hear what you know everybody is saying and to kind of like be open to other opinions because i'm never going to know about you know chemical attacks Mm. in syria um to the degree that somebody living in syria is going to be aware of that and like me listening to them and opening the conversation is how i learn um, rather than me reading a news article,
2: when right? When you have those particular conversations, do you find um, perhaps the person out of the context can be more objective? What do you mean? So, say if, so you were saying, you know, obviously we only have a certain amount of bandwidth and certain amount of scenarios so we can be in to truly understand, I guess that's what, is that what you're touching on to some extent? Yeah. Yeah. Um, some degree. So if that's the case, I always I would just wonder this cuz I think about it in so many different scenarios. If you're more embedded in it emotionally, can you be as object in in any scenario, whatever it is, whether you're particularly attached to Black Lives Matter or you could care particularly about male mental health or yeah. whatever it may be, yeah. and you're really really embedded in or you're or you've been a part of it so much that it it springs a particularly emotional point of view, yeah. have you found when you have the discussion maybe ironically someone from outside of of the realm of what it is has a has a more I've maybe not balanced but objective or, or does it really vary
0: I think it completely um, I think you're right uh, it's a lot harder to be objective if you're in the weeds of a particular issue I think that's kind of like normal because what you're kind of trading off is emotion versus reason yep. in some situations and um, and that makes it sound like emotion is a bad thing it's not it's not um, at all yeah it, that, that's not what I'm suggesting, but I'm suggesting that if you are particularly emotive about something, it's harder to kind of like take a step back and go, um, okay, if I if I wasn't feeling like this, how might I react differently? Or even what could I do practically to change the situation um, without emotion? Um, and yeah, so so I think you're completely right. It's harder to step back and be objective.
2: And have you seen, especially in the early days of doing this, have you seen... Um, real changes in opinion from from people who you didn't expect?
0: Yeah, I've seen people learn things, for sure. Um, Mainly about the way other people think. Yeah, And it's weird because
2: um, That's also the best thing you can get out of it, in my opinion. I think that's amazing. I think, I,
0: I think so, because it's likely at least initially, but until we start doing events, that you're going to play a game like 40 with your friends. Mm. And, you know, somebody looking at it from outside might say, aren't they all gonna have the same opinion? But actually, if you read the deck and the cards, um, they're they're kind of like friendship group agnostic. Um, you know, it might be something that's, like- I
2: like that term, that's
0: interesting. Colloquial use of the M word is a double standard. Like there's nothing about your, you know, socioeconomic standing or the way you voted that's gonna inform how you might react to that. Mm. And that's kind of the trend um, on all the cards. So. Um, even with friends, it might be that you know your friends surprise you in how they interpret situations, how they interpret ideas, and how they like communicate them.
2: So, do you, do you think maybe this is a bit a bit broad? But do you do you naturally see a better level of communication as soon as a card comes out, or within a certain amount of time, or is, is it sometimes a case of? if you need a few cards in and then it sort of breaks it down and then there's a better long term thing not necessarily i think it varies it
0: depends who's playing
2: yeah um you know it
0: the card don't make the game the people does yeah so it's kind of like um sometimes you have people who are less willing to kind of put their foot out there and say something bold and eventually the the, it'll, it'll come out of you you know, when you're three hours into a topic, and it's like,
2: yeah, okay, Cu- cool, couple of drinks down, maybe, yeah, exa- yeah, 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 exactly.
0: And it's kind of like, wow, Ed, the real, the real you showed up today. Um, that's a good thing. I,
2: and and this may sound like I hope it sounds alright, but are you pleased with it? Yeah, I am. Like, um, I
0: think that it's got so much potential to really be impactful, especially where we are now. Like, it, it would be a shame if we didn't capitalize on how willing everybody is to have conversations now. Yeah. And, you know, the pandemic helped slow everybody down and made everybody think and um, when the rat race wasn't, you know, so speedy, um, and and that's to the benefit of, or oh, that's 440's benefit, because it means that people can kind of take some time out and really figure out what they think about certain topics. Yeah. And in certain respects, if you look at kind of like the um, murder of Sarah Everard and the Black Lives Matter movement, it's, you know, it's, you have to actually ask yourself questions and have conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, yeah. And and that's a reactive kind of approach. That's, you know, reacting to something that's happened. But with this, this makes it kind of normal to do that. Um, and that's what this tool's for. And the reason why it's not digital is because, you know, Spontaneous play Like someone comes Around to your house And they have a look At the box And it's bright And they go What's that They open it And they go Oh that's quite interesting Let's talk about that
2: Yeah um, Funny. just last question then, And then we're going To play the game Okay And we've cool. got We've got a special guest For our okay. game as well I'll be the observer No no What does it have to be Two people oh, No let's do Let's do all three We're going to get yeah. Another boom and everything Okay Is what is the Long term proposition For 40 um,
0: We're still figuring that out I would love to say it's going to be X, Y, and Z, but um, in, in kind of like development pipeline, we're, we're speaking to some really big um, magazines, online platforms, and newspapers about doing kind of uh, editorial series, yeah. if you like. So either based on the cards or being kind of reactive to what's going on in the world. Um, We're thinking about making a resource for uh, schools. So kind of something based on the national curriculum around... P-h-h-se i think that's a brilliant idea or something I think that's incredible um, and we want to make it such that you know teachers can use this and it, 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 here's how it matches the natural na- national curriculum and you can just go um we're thinking about doing kind of like pizza and beer nights where you just come there's you know a couple of cards on the desk and you just play with strangers and see how that goes might have to get some bounces in um <laughs> It's um, all right, I'll be around, Sam will be around. I know a guy, it's fine. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so, and and obviously we're doing documentaries with Sam. So it's kind of like we're testing out what's the best direction for the brand, but always underpinned by, you know, the the pillar that you can't really understand the world until you understand more than your perspective of it.
2: Okay. Amazing. So we're gonna take a short break and we're gonna crack open some beers, maybe. If you're right with that, if you yeah. I mean, I can have I can have one. Are, or two. are you driving? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll have one beer because yeah. you know we've got to loosen up, and we'll we'll play the game. Okay, so we're back. We have a special guest who's our uh, <laughs> who did a podcast <laughs> with me earlier, and is quite quite. Uh, she's the new member of Babylonia, basically. Um, so, Alexandra Gray, thank you for being here, uh, and let's let's get started. <laughs> Male
0: contraception makes more sense than female contraception. Okay. Discuss okay. What, what, what are your initial thoughts on that?
1: Okay. So before, I'm not going to ask you the question again, but I think we can break it down. Makes sense in, in the sense of, I guess, health impacts, it's like mm-hmm. side effects. Mm-hmm. And also um, like the, at the end of the day, the male is the one who's, you know, he's the one who technically impregnates the woman. Okay. So in sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Control, not control, but do um, you understand what I'm saying? In terms of responsibility, it's their responsibility to make sense well, uh, in terms of responsibility.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, I am kind of with you, and
1: I'm trying to break break it down so that we can discuss those points. Well, I,
2: I think that we actually, so we actually talked about parts of this on the on the podcast we did earlier, and yeah. and, and the point that really uh, resonated resonated with me, and I think definitely, um, I understood and wanted to be empathetic towards is the fact that you said that you, you know, you've been given, uh, the pill for since you were 16 yeah. and as a result, you know, your body was all over the place and you had to get off it at times. And it's been yeah. really quite detrimental to your health so much. So like you've, you've been off it a long, longer time. So I personally think, yeah, like really totally honest, obviously, you know, if you want to get into the details of it as a guy, you don't want to wear a condom that often it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty simple. It, it, feel, it feels different. That's the truth. Yeah. Uh, but that is a short lived, um, it's a very short, short-term thinking, isn't it? And- well,
0: it, it depends, right? Sorry. It, it depends, right? Because it's kind of like, if you're 16, mm-hmm. it makes so much sense to be like, well, I, you know, I don't want a baby. But, you know, if you're 35, it's like if you were to get pregnant, you'd probably, probably be fine. Yeah. Right?
1: I think if there was a male contraceptive option and there were no side effects, males would take it, 100%. They would take it. Why wouldn't they?
0: Would you trust
2: them to do that?
1: Well, but would a male trust a female to take it? It's the same question. Why is there a gender disbalance there?
2: Because, because men are dirty dogs, basically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> basically what else just going on? It's there? kind
2: of
0: like, I mean, theoretically, yes, there shouldn't be a gender disbalance, but at, practically, would you like trust the guy that you were seeing to be like taking a pill at the same time every day? I've had like, I've had this conversation with quite a few people and the answer has been resoundingly no. Like, I wouldn't trust the trust. Sorry, sorry the so, to, so, so the girl would just not trust oh, the guy? I have have said, no, I wouldn't trust the guy to kind of like do that and do it properly. Really? I, don't,
1: yeah? I just don't think you can make a sweeping statement like that because I know like my boyfriend, I would trust him 100% because he's he's a very conscientious person. That's just yeah. who he is in as a, as a personality. But I've got girlfriends who <laughs> I would personally not trust if I was a guy yeah. because I know they're just scatty. Um, so in that sense, it's, I guess it just comes down to personality type. Um,
0: it's an interesting one sort of like, so would you, would you guys be in favor of a male contraceptive?
2: Um, yeah, I I think literally from our conversation today, I had with Alex on, on our podcast. It it does. And I've been very conscious of the fact that I know plenty of girls who had the implant or whatever. And on that sort of empathetic level, yes. But yeah, yeah because, like Alex said on the basis that it, if, if it was truly inconsequential yeah. and and you knew for a fact, but the problem with all of this is obviously there's, there's always a side effect consequence and you yeah. suspect even if it was in the reverse with a man, you'd have similar things. You'd probably have some sort of chem- chemical imbalance. It wouldn't be the same. You'd be yeah. more in danger of being less fertile if you got off it or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting one. One of the arguments I've heard against or, or for male contraception is, you know, uh, females can only really get pregnant. Once a year, right? Right. Whereas guys can impregnate females like hundreds <laughs> of times a year. So, like, I mean, yeah, funny. we can. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so whoever, whoever came up with the pill was definitely a bloke, like, wow. <laughs> literally.
2: Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, but, yeah, interesting. Could, could you repeat the statement one more time? Just because so I, I want to, I'd like hearing it again sometime. Sure. Make, so make sure a, I've got every ounce out of it, if you know what I mean.
0: Male contraception makes more sense
2: than female contraception. Discuss. Yeah yeah i think it does really is that not the can i ask by the way do, is this what happens sometimes it's quite general consensus is pretty pretty similar other times it's just roaring disagreement
0: well yeah and then it
2: g- kind of goes into like
0: other areas as well yeah so, um you know it might start with male contraception it might sort of move into like a disparity between females and males and that like, responsibility and would you trust them and stuff like that so Okay, go anyway it depends who's playing I'm a terrible person to play with because I've literally heard loads, about Ooh, loads about about like of but that's but that's
2: good surely because then you, you can you can lead it if you don't think we're going the right way to some extent
0: well no I don't like doing that it's kind of like taking an exam and having AQA in the room
2: <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, like, it's like, no, an earpiece, like an earpiece just an earpiece what's the answer li- to this li- question li- give me a, literally a clue literally being
0: like what did you mean when you wrote this uh, yeah yeah like, <laughs> Yeah, You would never do that. <laughs>
1: that's true. But actually, I was just thinking, reflecting on that statement again, from a purely biological point of view, I think that's probably why it's taken or it's been so difficult to produce a male contraception because as far as I know, compared between the two biological systems, it's actually easier to Control the hormones within a female's body and stop an egg being released, yeah. So that's probably why from well, you, can't, biological sense, you can't
2: stop the guy, releasing. you can't. How would you? Yeah, I don't understand, <laughs> Sorry, the biology that's no sound fully. Immature, but it's true, it's we probably didn't true. really study that in a level biology. Yeah, but um,
1: yeah. thinking of it just logically now, I don't know actually how you would do that unless well, the, you'd have to try and tap into their testosterone somehow. But well,
2: the closest things a vasectomy, right? Well, yeah, but then. But then yeah, it's just yeah, it's just
0: it's reverse reverse rates are rate very low. low.
1: Yeah, well, but not very successfully. You he,
2: but you say that, but you hear stories all the time about somebody's had a vasectomy and then have a kid a couple of years down the line, because those <laughs> swimmers they just keep going. <laughs> That's fate. They, That's they, fate. I'm telling you. I'm telling. You, I know. I know people who've <laughs> fallen pregnant for after a vasectomy. That child needs to be there, yeah. Right? Well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> <It Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you. Fate. You should probably repeat that. No, no, no. If that happens, that child needs to
0: like yeah. be here. It's just destined for great things. Yeah.
2: It's true that, isn't it? When people say, oh, this is going to sound really naff, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. My mum was like, you were meant to be. I said, well, because you con- c- conceived on the pill. So it's very true.
1: I was a mistake too. Yeah.
2: Oh. To, to, be, to being mistakes. To being
1: accidents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We definitely
2: need to, we definitely
0: need a rebrand on that phraseology. Like, yeah, yeah. Can we call ourselves surprises?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, are you the same? Surprise. Yeah. Are you like, the... surprise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Here I <laughs> am. I mean, hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. A pleasant surprise. I'd like to call oh. myself that. Um, right, does, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Money does indeed oh, wait. Money does indeed buy happiness. Discuss.
2: <sighs> I'd like you to go first on that. Um, because I think because you've heard so many perspectives, it would be interested to hear what you've concluded as a result. I,
0: I think money a hundred percent buys happiness. Yeah. Like I, I, um, you know, I don't know. I think that it's an interesting one because when you say, does money buy happiness? When you pose the question, it's immediately taken that you can't be sad and have money. And that's not the same thing as saying money buys happiness. Mm. It's it's not to the exclusion of sadness. Like, Mm -hmm. but some people would rather be sad in a Lamborghini. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it depends.
1: I think money buys freedom from money, right? So when you have money, you don't have to worry about money and and it also buys you freedom in general and therefore it buys you happiness as a consequence. So where the money technically literally does not buy you happiness, but what it does afford you to have is the freedom from the worry of money, of financial burdens. Well, and to some degree, there's a lot of financial burden of having money. Um, And also the freedom to do what you want, essentially.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, funny enough, again, I mean, we say we talk about this stuff all the time, but me and Sam literally talked about this yesterday, last night, after our intense breathing session. Um, But which sounds dodgy, yeah. We were doing Wim Hof, the Wim Hof technique. If you like In, that, interesting. Is. Like, yeah. there's more to be explored there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the point was is that I, I just feel that, yeah, money is a tool to create create the best environment I want for me and the people around me I love, and that's the best way I can put it. And like, it's funny. Like, there's a question I'll just say and and think about it for later. But one of the questions I often ask is, what is happiness to you? Yeah, now, exactly. now, happiness to me is. Being, being in the company of the people I love is as simple as that in the best environment possible. Now to do that, the vehicle is money. So does it lead to happiness? I think when, when that question comes about, I think the point is, is that it's not just that, you know, it's like, it's definitely not just that is without a doubt. Like if you are deeply dissatisfied with yourself, doesn't, doesn't matter how much money you have, you are fucked. Um, but can it facilitate, a life that is more all-encompassing, a life that is better for the people around you. Can it, are we in that world? Yeah, I think. So I'd kind of think with regards to the statement, it's kind of like, it's a half-truth personally.
0: It's it's interesting because like, whenever people read the statement, um, no one really ever argues it or considers it from somebody who's not wealthy's perspective. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, it almost suggests that if you're not wealthy, that you're unhappy, and I think that's again, you know, not not necessarily true. Like you can be, it's all relative. You can be completely happy, and it goes back to like, what is your, what what does happiness mean to you? It might mean, like you say, um, being around the people you love. But you know, if you live in a village and the people you love are around you all the time, you know, you could access that level of happiness without money.
2: Actually. Well, so you're kind of saying our 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 answers can. Comp- yeah, in simple terms, it's based on our environment. It, it's
0: it's like, I, I think it's it's super relative. Um, I think an interesting question though is kind of like, is people's level of wealth kind of like a, a main driver of happiness? Is there kind of like competitive wealthiness? So if you asked every billionaire in the world, you can keep your level of wealth, um, but everybody else gets topped up to your level, would you be happy? It'd be interesting to see what they said. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, they've uh, kind of on that point. They've done, they have done psych- psychology study, psychological studies on money and happiness. Um, not in the sense of whether everyone is comparable to you in terms of money, but once you reach a certain level of money, your happiness level just stays the same. So there is an increase. I think it's up to. This was done a few years ago. this study, so it will change obviously with inflation and whatnot. But I think it was up to like sixty-seven thousand dollars. I believe the study was in around $70,000. I think
2: it's ninety thousand. Is it? It's gone up. Yeah, yeah, ninety thousand. There yeah. we go. And, and what, once you get to that point, beyond it that, it plateaus. Not, yeah.
0: Really? I, yeah, I find that like super hard to believe. I can't like imagine that someone who's you know makes ninety thousand a year wouldn't be happier if they were to make a million
1: a year. But what? Why? What more would they have? That you know, what more would, would satisfy their human needs beyond that, that money could buy? Well, I think I think I think, I think you need
2: to repeat that on the mic. Sorry, it will be
1: material possessions.
2: Um, so, should, should we pick up just a little bit? Just to make sure we get some of it. Is is so? Alex was saying, he gets about ninety grand a year, and you're pretty much um, as satisfied as if you had millions. Yeah, you you find that hard to believe? Yeah,
0: like I, I think that's um, I don't know. Hard to believe sounds a bit brash. <laughs> um, I think it's more kind of like uh, I can believe it, but. I can also believe that there are cases where somebody who comes into a lot of money after earning ninety grand a year or whatever that you know the the median use case was is significantly happier. Um, it can't be true that nobody is happier with above ninety k, right? I oh yeah,
1: for yeah, sure. I don't think, I don't yeah, think that that's the what. Average, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: don't think that that was what the question. And then we were talking about kind of like coming into money. I think is a lot harder than. Just having always been wealthy, I think there's a yeah. lot more scope to be unhappy in that situation. I,
1: yeah, I know people who've who've come from money and they've just been given an Amex or whatever with however much on, and they're miserable, really.
2: Well, yeah, that's the point, right? Think, it's not theirs. I, I, I think it's they've not
1: done anything. to earn then, Well, they're that
2: deeply dissatisfied. I think. I think.
1: And that goes to a point where it comes from within.
2: Exactly, and 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 for me, the point would definitely be when we touch on happiness, like we did before. Yeah, is. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the whole cult coaching world, but one of the one things that Tony Robbins says that I really find really interesting is if you want personal grat- self, you know, gratification within yourself, you need progression. And I think if you don't have seemingly, seemingly obvious things to strive for, and whatever capacity that is, doesn't necessarily mean money, but you need to feel like you're progressing, then you will feel deeply dissatisfied and then, you, and then you'll have issues within yourself. Now that often connects to someone who's got everything at their fingertips because there's no real strive to walk forward. And that touches on a point I've spoken to other people about is if and when, you know, God, willing, you have all the wealth you want in the world, how conscious you have to be with your kids to make sure they do have something to strive for or else else you'll see that situation repeat itself. I
0: I think kind of like um, if you have, uh, you know, a surplus of anything, it becomes fairly, if you can access anything all the time, it becomes, like, you become desensitized to it, Yeah, right? And and I don't think money is any different, Um, so I can see that, you know, if you get to a certain amount of wealth, um, I think it's two things, though, like you were saying, it's, like, happiness, uh, deriving from, you know, the origin of your wealth, so it may be that you might not be as happy if you've worked hard for it as if you've been given it, but also, kind of, like, the flip side of that, or the relative flip side of that is um the sadness from coming into a lot of money and being the anchor of so many people that you know it actually makes you quite sad that you can't help them all that must be quite yeah that's an interesting one that, that must be quite tough I think that would you know for me be the thing that I would struggle with with having loads of money it's kind of like okay cool you 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 help somebody out with a bit of money and they're like, okay, right, I need more,
2: mm.
0: and it's like you have to start making decisions, like who do you prioritise? Like um, I say this like I'm rich, by the way, I'm not. I uh, <laughs> <you> mean, like <laughs> if anyone like not me, um, <laughs> but like I can imagine it's quite tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so did you want to say something? I thought you looked like you were about to say something, Alex.
1: Oh, I was just contemplating that. I hadn't thought of it like that before, but it makes sense, I guess. And maybe that's why some rich people kind of just, you know, fall out with their family and, and distance themselves from yeah. people who were once close to them because that money has created this awkward tension between them.
0: Yeah, I think kind of like someone said to me before. Um, Rich people are the best at staying rich because they don't give away that much. <laughs> I mean they, they? Which is a funny statement that <laughs> actively maintain their wealth by like literally being tight. Yeah. Like, um, and I guess like I've only now just thought that like if you were super wealthy, you could just sort of say yes to everything. Yeah. Every request that was made yeah, to yeah. you, and like where do you draw the line? Like at what point on the kind of I guess circular spectrum do you go from super wealthy to philanthropy and you start giving away most of your what
2: you mean wealth. like what number is it when you can do that uh, i mean that happens to everyone to an extent right you get mm-hmm. to um there's a pro- proportionality you decide is, is yeah you can do yeah
1: but well, i know people who they ha- like despite whatever their income is they have a percentage that they always give to charity
0: yep i i mean that's like super super commendable but you know and to an extent you know, I should be doing um, more charitable stuff. But the way I kind of prioritize is, I would prefer to do more with more when I can, as opposed I, to I agree. Do kind of like um,
2: every
1: little help.
0: I yeah. know, I know. <laughs> like,
2: but I mean, but also, I think, I think you do have to. I don't, I don't have any issue with saying right now. I just, I mean, I give a little bit. I give like maybe twenty quid a month or something. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is. I don't mind admitting now it's just not, it's not on my priority list. Like, it's yeah. like you, like, as much as we, talk, we talked about earlier, and we, pro- we probably will talk about more about when you consider yourself as a human being and trying to get the best out of yourself so you can be better for the people around you, yeah. that, that fits in an emotional sense and then it fits in a wealth and financial sense. You can't really give, give in the right way and also, like you said, perhaps escalate that into something better. Like In simple terms, if you're a billionaire, if you're really up for it, use all your business now to create a, the right sort of, you know, philanthropic ideal that, that will actually escalate and actually make certain, whatever you want to call it, towns in Africa or yeah. place, places, places in, 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 underrepresented societies better and self-sufficient, which is the biggest challenge with philanthropic ideals, I think
0: it, it's an interesting one because like, you know, I don't disagree with the statement that beyond wealth, we shouldn't really be looking at billionaires to solve social issues. Yeah. Like at all, like, you know, provides, the capital, but it shouldn't be a kind of like a, a you decision sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just think that for me, it's like I know that if I was to come into loads of wealth, eventually it would go into a cycle where I, I would, you know, give away loads because it's just.
1: I, th- well, I think it's like that's the, how the, I Is it Bet Three Six Five? The CEO, she's she watched and the. Met, Largest amount that any English CEO has ever earned. She went like 400, and, 400 odd million this year, yeah. this last year, yeah. this, last year last, last, this last tax year. But she gives away a lot of significant proportion to charities, apparently. So like Macmillan Cancer and I think it was an Alzheimer's Trust.
0: You kind of have to, right? You you, you kind of like.
1: But they don't all, not all big no, no, they don't. they don't. <laughs> that's but why it was no. really like people were praising her for it, but they were also criticizing her because it was from gambling. They're like, "Is this her well, culture?" Well, I, I, I so guess so that's you might you have what that's what I mean. It, right? yeah. That's what I mean yeah. is by it a like guilty giving.
0: That's what I mean. Like you kind of have to. If you do certain jobs and if you're from certain industries, you got to you, give. Back. Your, your your PR and comms team mm. will be saying to you, "You need to be," you know. Um, you need to have kind of like a, a visible charitable agenda mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because um, the wealth is so astronomical it's just well not just that but because of the way that she's generating her wealth and the kind of like uh, incidental casualties like gambling addictions
2: mm.
0: it just i mean would it make sense to you know it's, it's quite circular um would it make sense for her to be kind of like I, I'm not happy. doing anything. I wonder if um, she's happy. Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah. I did think that when I read the article yeah. yesterday, I was like, I wonder if she's happy.
0: Yeah. Um. I what? also think that what like whenever these conversations happen, it's always kind of like seen as inherently negative to really like money and to be in that sort of sense. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I've earned this.
2: I'm going to keep it for myself. Like, I think that's there's an definitely an attitude point. like that there. Yeah. But personally, I think that's just closed-minded. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. I mean, what what it? You might people get thrilled out of making money. People like the, the guy I interviewed yesterday, he said I get a massive kick out of sales. Yeah. And that's him making money. He said it's not just the money, but the money's a part of it. And that's cool. That you know, that is what yeah. it is. And it's and he said it's like, you know, this guy could have this guy could quit work tomorrow, no problems. Yeah. Um and you know, he's but he's got he's got other interests and, and he wants to be amongst it. Like humans want to be amongst it. So and what I mean by that is a bit of excitement and money does bring that excitement, I think. So Yeah. Um, what I was gonna add by the way is we, so we talked about charities lot and it made me think about it like I really don't trust charities
1: I was about to say the same thing as I, I, I struggle giving to charities because I never know who's actually you know um, like a reliable charity to give to because mm. you see how much the kind of significant people in 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 the office work how much they earn CEOs are earning you know six figures and whatnot you're like oh is the money really going to the right places I don't know
2: but it's, it's, it's such an unknown quantity right and you hear about yeah. continuous Bullshit of like, it never goes in the right place. And, you know, we have all this money in the world, but yet we still can't solve quite ob- obvious issues where I just feel if I, I really do feel if I was lucky enough to get to that level of money, I this may sound really crazy, but have you ever heard the story of what Akon did?
1: Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, Akon. No, <laughs> yeah, so Akon okay. in Senegal based, it was it Senegal, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah he, he, long and short the story is, obviously he's made a load of money, but you're not talking like hundreds of millions. I think he's made about, he's net worth about 60 million, which is a lot of money. He went to Senegal, researched like hell, like how to become a uh, a sufficient society. Ran every bit of penny himself and created created villages and towns and put the money in the right places so that because obviously there's so much sun in the area, they create you know they put lo- lo- loads of solar panels and basically created these small. I think it's villages, right? It's not yeah. so not so much towns, but essentially self sufficient places. Yeah. Like, why can we not do that? That's it's incredible. So, we, we, it's incredible. The answer is we can, but it's not but directed we, the right like, way. We, we just do. We have. The incentive, like, I
0: think when people are assessing, um, you know, stuff that we could do collectively, it's almost kind of like separated from the fact that it's individuals that make up the collective, and like, you need everybody to have the same or kind of like a at least a common level of motivation to actually pull something through, Mm -hmm. and that's why I think, kind of like, you know, a lot of people distrust governments, and a lot of people distrust organizations and charities Mm. because fundamentally they're made up of people who are corruptible like you can't get away from that and Mm. you know query where the corruption lives where there's opportunity and there's opportunity pretty much everywhere so Mm. it's it's an interesting conversation to start and which is excellent because it has nothing to do with the
2: original well yeah yeah we did digress a bit which is the game it's good but i think it's great that it led us that way because it's it's a big part that bothers me i always ironically as people go I'll oh, be be inclusive but I would think in certain scenarios like that you don't want to be inclusive you want one or two people who are, p- are purely like genuinely want to do that for a society yeah and they're in charge of case in point with with the, with the Acon story I, yeah. I think as soon as the people are like oh well you know Oxfam's so great it reaches so many places but it's so diluted as much as yeah. if you look at a company like like Price Coopers or KPMG or these big companies everyone who works there and I know people close to me who work there is like it's politics all the time take too many decisions too much red tape that's not going to work if you're trying to be decisive and assertive for a greater good for people which is why I think those medium-sized companies that got a lot of people but there's really one person at the helm who's really really just fucking making decisions And whether people like it or not that is the way forward and the only example I could give that like think of when that's worked or he's worked in part as much as I'm not a fan of him is Tony Blair was notorious for having one-on-one meetings. He wasn't a big fan of cabinet meetings. He wanted yeah. one-on-one decision-making with each individual um, ministry uh, member of whatever the cabinet was or the particular cabinet. And as a result, yeah. he was known to get more stuff done. I, I, I
0: can imagine that that's... Yeah, I can imagine that that's the case. kind of like sometimes, it, you know... Decision by committee is not always the best way forward. And I think kind of. I think you, often the group decision is actually not that useful. I, I, I really. The
1: 12 angry men.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I really That's I, I really phone. don't rate it. I, I don't rate it in the workplace at all. Kind of like how many meetings it takes to get, you know. It's a waste, it's a waste of time. Because <laughs> if, if you're an organisation and you're trusting somebody in a kind of position to make a decision.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Allow them to make that decision. Like, Why it, would you employ them otherwise?
2: Yeah. It's
0: just kind of like, it doesn't really make sense to me. But then kind of politics, I think, kind of fundamentally... There's a card that sort of goes that, um, you know, it's really difficult to make political decisions independent of personal gain. And if you think about how it's structured, it's kind of like these people want to keep their job. They're going to do things. It's How can you kind of divide party politics and the decisions that you're making from the one that's going to allow you to maintain your job. Like it's so hard to do. It's almost like
2: unfair to expect people to do that on a daily basis, but that's what we do. High, yeah. level, deci- high level decision making and the concept of um, group decision doesn't work, essentially, that, that that too many people spoil the broth, if you want to call it. Any, any thoughts on that, Alex?
1: I just think it's all contextual. I think it's hard to make sweeping statements like that. It depends mm-hmm. on the scenario, what the decision is, who it's impacting, and... Yeah, essentially that.
2: And then with regards to what we mentioned about charities, do you, do you agree? Do you, do you sort of see what we are saying about the concept of it would make more sense to have than, than these? It just seems to me like when we're touching on the charity point, I'd rather have loads of small to medium-sized charities than one big one. It NGOs
1: just, yeah. doing ground-up operations. Because when I studied geography, we did human geography. And actually, it was one of the best subjects I'd ever studied because even to this day, I remember a lot of key points. And one of them was we touched on the charities and how... There's top-down operations and ground up. ground up is like you know like what Akon did and went in and built these little villages, which is self-sustaining and and those are actually you know the, the best way really you, you go in there and, and you and you help people and to be self-sufficient. it's like you know you give a man a fish and he eats for a day give a man a teach a man how to use a fishing pole and mm-hmm. he eats for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. but the top-down operations it's just like a whole bunch of money just gets pumped into an area it's like a reservoir gets built or something and and then there's not there's no follow through with it or it it only has an impact in a certain regard and not completely one hundred percent beneficial like a self sufficient village might be
2: mm. and it makes you wonder why we still do it, but then I know what you're saying, even on like a if you talk politics, then it's well they lose their job if they if if they don't consult people or do it the right way,
0: yeah, there's that, and it's kind of like you know query whether you're actually um Actually, electing the people who best place to lead, or mm. the people who have the best PR campaigns, and mm. that's at like all level of politics. Complete
2: now, that's it, really, isn't it?
0: Well, I think it's like Plato's kind of—I um, don't know—I think it was like his analogy of, you know, if a ship is sinking, do you want the person who's best placed to steer the ship to be in control, or do you want the best person who's shouting the most about steering, steering <laughs> the ship to be in control? And yeah. like I don't know about you lot, but like, <laughs> I'm, trying uh, to, yeah. I'm trying to get, get like get to the guy with qualifications mm-hmm. right? and the best person for the job. And I think it's kind of, I don't know whether it's actually practical to sort of uh, stack rank people and say you're the best person to lead the country because mm. it's not really like a, it's not really like an experience thing, right? Is it? Because very few people are prime minister twice, yeah. terms. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if there was a way to sort of sort of you know statistically reduce the the best characteristics for the for the job it may
1: not be the people that we have in office now may well be but